Isn't that where you want to be in God's house forevermore? What an awesome thought and what an awesome song. And I'm thankful that you are here tonight and we're able to sing that. I'm thankful for all those who have joined in tonight uh, through our live stream and know that we have our circuit riders out. So thankful for those uh, group of young men and their families who tonight are at the Gladeville congregation and thankful for the work that they are doing, uh, training these young men to preach and also leading people in worship. I think that is an awesome thing. And uh, as far as uh, the shower that y'all have uh, given us, y'all flooded us. Uh, it's pretty amazing. Uh, we'll figure out how to get it home uh, piece by piece. Um, I did see some things I get to put together. Thank y'all. Um, <laughs> a chest of drawers should not come in a box like this. Uh, that's going to be some work. Uh, but thank you for loving our family and uh, showing that to us. We are definitely most blessed to be here and thankful that uh, you have welcomed us into this church family. Let's uh, pray together. Our Heavenly Father, you uh, are so incredible, and tonight we come before you praising your name. Lord, we're thankful to be a part of a, a, a church where we can open your word and see what you say to us. And Lord, we pray that you always give us the courage to live that out. Lord, I'm thankful for the, the generosity and kindness and the love shown this, through this congregation. I'm thankful for the response this morning to uh, the lesson and pray that, that each person tonight will take the opportunity to show other people how important they are, to include them, and, and to show that love of care for them. Lord, help us to open your word tonight and help us to see in it what you would have us to live and what you would have us to do. In Christ, let me pray. Amen. If I were to ask you tonight what stresses you out, I'm going to guess there's a lot of different answers that, that you could give. It seems like at times we're in a perennial state of, a, uh, of being stressed. And, and to me, uh, I just sit there and think about sometimes you feel overwhelmed because sometimes the choices uh, is just as simple as this way or that way, and sometimes that's simple, sometimes it's not. See, some of the choices that we have to make are, are moral decisions, right? What is right and what is wrong. And, and, but there's other decisions we have to make, what, what is right and what's left. And, and those are also very challenging decisions for us. Some decisions we make are, are about health. You know, you're, you're trying to decide what it is that you want. You know what you want. It's funny how they always go versus the apple. Um, and, uh, and I think about that, that that is there for us. And the thing is, we live in a time with multiple choices. A lot of times it's not one thing or the other. There are so many choices out in front of us, it is something that can be a little bit overwhelming. One of the funniest Facebook posts I saw last week, a, a friend of mine has a, a son that just started driving, and they sent him to the store to get milk, and his son only thought there was one kind. You realize if you go to the store to get milk, there's a lot of options. I mean, you've got skim, 1%, 2%, full fat. You've got, you've got a organic, and you have stuff with this or that, and you have soy milk. You've got all these different things. And that teenage boy just stood there in front of that case looking, not having a clue. Because there's so many options in front of you. At one point in time in the U.S., I think I read back in the 40s, there, there was only one or maybe two kinds of toothpaste. There's Pepsodent. It's been around forever. Now you feel like you need to go into dental school to pick out one. You're reading to see what all the different things are on there that it's supposed to help fight. And you look at it, and the same thing if you go to get cough medicine. 
I'm going to guess some of you, and me included, sometimes have to go ask the pharmacist what over-the-counter cough medicine we need based on what we need. When I was a kid, I remember there was leaded and unleaded, okay? You could get NyQuil that had something that was born in a still up in East Kentucky in it. And I don't know if it made you quit coughing, but it made you quit caring, okay? I think that was part of it. And, and, and there was a VIX 44D that used to be everything. I remember those. And that was sort of it. Now you go in, and there are so many different options in front of you. It is overwhelming. You know, I, I wonder, you know, you think about just different kinds of coffee. It's just over. What, what kind of coffee do you want? And to go through, and you would hear somebody's order for coffee at Starbucks, and you would think that they're asking for brain surgery. There's so many different things involved in that. Why? Because we have so many options in front of us, and sometimes we're forced to make so many decisions, at least to what we call decision fatigue. Have you ever made so many decisions you just don't want to make another one? Over and over and over again. Can I tell you when I learned this? I've had it different times in my life. It's called when you're planning a wedding. So I asked Brianna to, to marry me the last weekend of September. And she said, when do you want to get married? I said, well, I'm good right now. I, the night, rest of the night's free. And so we planned a wedding. She planned a wedding. I just happened to show up, okay, in 10 weeks. And if the church had been open, the well, church had been a week before, it had been nine weeks. And to know every decision that goes down through that from, from you know, like, she's like, we need to talk about a guest list. Just invite everybody. I mean, it was that much. That's how I was. I was like, just, just whoever wants to come can come because to sit here and think, I can't imagine. I know some of you have had to do the ones with the seating charts and who sits by who and, and who doesn't and have to go through all those, who your bridesmaids and who your grooms are going to be. You go through all these different things, who, who's going to speak, who, and, and you go through all the way through, and it's like, you know what? I am just tired of making decisions. At the end, it doesn't matter. Some of y'all tonight, when it comes to, hey, what's for dinner? It's like, ah, just whatever. There's times it's like, just let somebody else make a decision for me, and I will eat whatever is put in front of me. And what happens is so many times we get stuck in making decisions, so many decisions, that we find ourselves sort of indifferent and also just sort of paralyzed. We don't want to make another decision. We're, we're, we're there. We don't necessarily know what to do and, and what we should do. And what can happen is it can stress us out. And what's bad is at times it can stress us out beyond our faith. Tonight, what I want us to do is what we've done every week. I want us to go through the 23rd Psalm. I want us to listen to him. And I want us to listen to what he says about how our decisions uh, should be made. And it's, it's right here in the middle of this beautiful psalm. And if we can, well, let's, let's read this together. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
That is so powerful. To think about God being our shepherd and, and what we learn through this. We've gone through in, in week one and we've said, you know what? This deals with worry and, and the antidote for worry is to realize God will meet all your needs and to trust him. The Lord is my shepherd. He is all I need. The week after that, we talk about what's the antidote for hurry and always being in a rush. And, and, and what we said was that the cure for that is found right there. He, I need to obey his instructions on rest. So what did he say? He makes me lie down. And so as we've dealt with hurry and, and, and worry, we've said that Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down. And then how do we deal with everything just sort of crowding together? We talked about this last Sunday night. Feeling like we don't have any space, that everything's so crowded, there's so many lights, we can't even see the stars. What is it we do? We, we recharge our soul with beauty. What do we do? We look around and see what God has created and see the beauty and power there, and it should increase our faith. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still water. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And tonight, let's think about that as our shepherd. See, if we have multiple choices in front of us, a lot of different things that, that are laying uh, there, what we should always want to do is take the path of what? Righteousness. We should allow God to guide us on that path and, and realize that we're going to have to make a lot of decisions in our life. Every day there are certain decisions we make, but there are also decisions that make all other decisions much easier. And that decision to make God your shepherd makes all other decisions much easier because at least now we, we have a paradigm, we have a, a structure that we should follow. We have a, a rule that we can look at and say, all right, this is what we're going to measure all of our decisions against. And we can seek out and look at what he's, he has done. The way that we can, can have some, some comfort through all these decisions is to follow God's word, to answer life's questions, to allow him to lead us. Remember tonight, when we think about David, when we think about him writing the 23rd Psalm, we're thinking about a man who's been ridiculed by his family, a man who had a very stressful job as what? As king of God's people. He was someone who people had tried to kill. He was a veteran, somebody who had been in many wars. He is somebody who, who lost a, a friendship. He is someone who, who had a good friend die, who, who went through moral failure, who had a troubled marriage. He is someone who struggled with private sin. And he lost another child. He had a daughter that, daughter that was assaulted. And, and you think about his life, and, and he is someone who was threatened. He was someone who had, had to dwell in caves and, and was on the run. And he was able to say, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. This is a man who knew what it was like to take the other path. And to realize there is no peace in that other path. To go away from God, there's no peace there. It was something that for David, for the rest of his life, after he had committed adultery with Bathsheba, after he had ordered the death of Uriah, her husband, his life was never at peace again. There was always trouble in his house. That was part of the, I guess, the curse, if you will, the, the, the consequences of, of that sin and he says, what, if we want to have a, a life that has less stress and, and that what we do is we follow Christ and we allow him to do what? To lead us in paths of righteousness. 
See, it's a big deal for us to go down paths of righteousness that takes wisdom. James says in, in James 1, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, and who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. There's an awesome promise there that if we ask God for wisdom, and we're going to need wisdom, that he will give it. See, in the midst of making all decisions, it's important that we realize the quality of our life will be determined by the wisdom or foolishness of our decisions. Y'all agree with that, don't you? The quality of our life, and, and sometimes it's the Lord saving us from really bad decisions too. Lord working through uh, uh, us messing up and coming back to him. And when I think about that, I, I realize that is where we are and, and just see that the wisdom or foolishness of those decisions is determined by following God's direction in your life. How wise we are has nothing to do with how much money we make, has nothing to do with how many friends we have. The wisdom in our life is how closely we follow God's word and God's will as we live on this earth. Are we willing to let him lead us? That was one thing about sheep. Again, uh, is, anytime a, a preacher talks about sheep, they want to talk about the lack of intelligence of sheep. And, and I'm not sure they are as unintelligent as we make them out to be. People who work with them regularly would disagree, but they have to be led. But one cool thing about sheep is they follow. They follow. Well, we follow him as he leads us down the paths of righteousness. See, as we go through our life and we, we're trying to figure out which way to go, what to do, the future seems up clear, I, I, I'm sort of struggling and, and, and what decision to make and I'm a little bit bewildered, what is it I need to do? And realize that we're going to have to make some difficult decisions and realize that God wants to help you to make good decisions. I think sometimes we forget that, that uh, the view of some people have of God is that God likes to catch us messing up. I don't think that's the case at all. God, we're made in his image. He wants us to reflect him, and it gives him no joy for us to mess up. What he does is he gives us opportunity to do what? To be restored to him. But if we're going to make good decisions, I want to go through again some ABCs again tonight. Uh, first, A, if we're going to make good decisions, we need to ad admit we need for help and wisdom and guidance. In other words, we have to be willing to admit that, that we need help in that, that, that we're not as smart as we need to be. See, see we need to, to do that. It's something that will help us. Again, if anybody likes wisdom, do what? Let him ask. Because left to our own devices, if we just make decisions based on what we know and, and what we already know, it's amazing what we can do. What the Proverbs writer says in Proverbs 14, 12, he said, there's a, right that a way that seems right to man, but in the end it leads to death. That's what happens when a guy chooses his own direction. What happens is I, I, I think I'm going to do what's right. I'm not going to consult God. I'm just going to do it the way I want to do it. Proverbs 28, verse 26 says, A man is foolish to trust himself, but those who use God's wisdom are safe. What a great statement. Proverbs 11, 2, When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but then with humility comes wisdom. Why with humility comes wisdom? Because you realize what you don't know. I think that's big for us. Because I don't know about you, sometimes I've been overconfident in my own uh, uh, abilities, and I have realized I have been found lacking. My favorite, uh, uh, I guess, non, 
spiritual author is a guy named Rick Bragg, and I love what he says. He said, I took some tests when I was a kid, and they found that I was dangerously smart in some areas and dangerously not in others. That might be me, okay? <laughs> and sometimes we underestimate ourselves on that. I, I love this picture. You know what? It's about to go badly. This cat's about to try out an eagle, and it's not going to go well. Cats can't fly. They're about to find out where they land on their feet, okay? And, that, and that's the thing that many times overconfidence is, is this, there, there are sometimes this is going to be a disaster. But sometimes it's what they need to learn to know that there is someone who is bigger or stronger than they are. And sometimes we need to know that God is bigger and stronger and smarter than us. If we're going to make good decisions, we have to admit that we need help on those decisions. What keeps us from doing that? It is pride. There's a pride that comes that feel like I can figure this out myself. I, I can figure this out. I, I don't need directions. I don't need anything else. I can do this on my own. The wisest people you know are people who know the right people to ask for help. And I think that's something big that we want to make sure that we're not like that person who does not know and who does not understand. We need to admit that we need help in our decisions. Secondly, believe that God wants to help you in those decisions. Do you believe that, that God wants to help you make good decisions? Again, I don't think God wants to catch us being bad. I don't think that's his thing or, or he enjoys seeing his, his children fail and, and, and fall down. Believe that God wants to help you in your decisions. That's why he said, again, going back to James, if you lack wisdom, do what? Ask. But I love this. Don't, 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 don't finish out. Just don't, don't finish up reading there. Let's keep on reading. He says, who gives to all generously, all generously will be given him, but let him ask in faith with no doubting for the one who doubts like a wave of the sea and is driven around tossed by the wind. What's he saying? Know that God wants to give it to you. Know that if you ask it, God want wisdom and you ask God, God will give that wisdom to you. God wants to help you in your decisions. That's what he wants. Have you ever been reluctant to ask for help? I think all of us have. Um, I'm not sure how my dad turned out to be the nice person he is right now. Because as a young man working with your dad, for, for whatever reason, your dad doesn't remember that at one time he didn't know how to do something. Y'all had the same dad too, right? Okay. Um, you know, I remember my dad asking me to hand him certain wrenches or certain sockets before I could even read numbers, and he was frustrated that I couldn't. I was playing golf with a fellow one day, and uh, I'd hit a golf ball down in a ditch. Imagine that. And there's a little boy that was playing with us, or out there with us, and he was going through the ditch finding golf balls for his dad. And I looked down, and I said, hey, uh, does that say Titleist? He goes, I can't weed. <laughs> he didn't know at that time. I said, well, throw it to me anyway. I need it. I sit there and think about it, that believe that God wants to help us. One of the first things my dad let me do on my own was we didn't take our car anywhere to have anything done to it for good or ill. That means every time he replaced the brakes, there was always parts left over in the box, okay? 
You take the box and shake it, there was extra parts in there. And he said, they're supposed to be. I don't think so. But the car always stopped, so he did something right. But we were going to rotate the uh, tires on our Toyota Celica, and he he allowed me to help him. And I remember going through, and he let me uh, go through and and loosen the lug nuts and and help go through and take those off and tighten them all the way around. And he was there with me, and he watched me do it, but he let me do it. And each time, if I didn't do something, he was showing me how to do this. He wanted to help me succeed at that. Can I tell you there's something about trusting a nine-year-old with your life with four tires on a car? I'm not sure that was the smartest decision on his part. I know that he went back later and made sure they really got cinched up really good. But there's something about he wanted to help me because he wanted me to learn how to do that. See, when somebody is patient with you as a teacher, it makes them more approachable and realize God couldn't be any more patient with us if he had to be. He is incredibly patient. If not, he would have already returned. We've read that too, right? He wants people to be saved. God wants to help you to make decisions, and he wants you to do what? To trust in him with all your heart, as we are, we are told in Proverbs 3, verse six, 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord your God with all your heart, and do what? See, as we're trusting in him with our heart, said, so do not lean on your own understanding. But in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. He will, he will guide you, and to trust him, and to know that that is what he wants to do. As his image bears, he wants us to do this. See, I, I think there's evidence of this in Scripture. One of the saddest things to me in Scripture is when Cain took the life of his brother. See, what happened before that is he had a conversation with God. And what did God say to him? The Lord said to Cain, Genesis uh, 4, verses 6 and 7, The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? If you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. What's he doing? He's warning him. He's trying to help him. He's trying to say, I feel like you're going this direction. This is the direction you want to go. He tried to help him to make the right decision, and he went against it. I think for us to realize that God wants to help us to make good decisions, we see evidence of that in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, where we're told what? That no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to man, but God is faithful, and he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But the temptation uh, will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. He is saying, I'm going to give you a way out. He is saying, I want to help you to make the right decision. Now, in your prayer, pray that that be obvious. (laughs) But he's promised you that he wants to help you to make those good decisions. God is involved in your life, and God wants you to believe that and to know that that's what he wants to do. When it comes to making these, these big decisions, I think it's always important that we do what? That we check out God's standard of living. That we open up God's word and allow him to help us to walk with him more closely. So when we look at verses, uh, like the psalmist said in Psalm 119, verse 105, that your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. What does it do? It allows us to see the direction we need to go. When we look at 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17, all Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for what? For teaching, for reproof, 
for correction, for his training and righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. God's word is to help us to make those decisions here on earth. And we're told that Peter tells us what? He's given us everything that we need that pertains to life and godliness. When we have to make a decision, we need to spend some time in God's word. Those big decisions. See, again, a lot of decisions in life are not decisions of, of morality. They're left and right decisions. Should I move here? Should I move there? Should I marry this person? Should I marry that person? Now, there's spiritual implications to all of those. Will this person help my faith to grow? Will this person carry me closer to God? If I take this job, is there a good church in that community? Is, is this job something that will allow me to be able to follow God more closely? It's a big deal. I, th- these questions aren't original to me, but I've had, uh, I've seen them several times when you're going through God's word and when you're asking yourself whether you should do something or not. Number one, the ideal test is what I'm going to do, uh, in harmony with God's word. Because if it's not, if it's not okay with God's word, that's real easy. Go no and, and, and keep on going. Secondly, the integrity test. What I want everybody to know about this decision. Is it something I'm proud of? Is it something that, that I'm okay with people knowing? And, and, and number three, it's the improvement test. Will this make me a better person? Actually, what I would say is, does this draw me closer to God? By making this decision, that's improvement. The next is the independence test. Could this become addictive? Am I choosing something that could take over my life? Am I putting my control uh, for me in somebody's hands besides God's and myself? And finally, the influence test. If I were to do this, would this harm somebody else? See, I think those help us that when we check out God's standard of living on what we need to do, I I think finally tonight, when you have a big decision, make decisions at logical times if you can and move on. I think this is a challenge many times because sometimes decisions need to be made. But I don't know about you, sometimes when I make a decision, when I'm exhausted, it may not be the right decision. I've got a really good uh, friend, mentor, uh, uh, Dr. Ralph Gilmore is one of my favorites. I love getting to see him this week. And he taught us in one of the five or six classes I took uh, with him at school he said, uh, he said, I never make a big decision late at night. He said, I pray over it. I sleep over it. Uh, I talk to my wife about it. And we make decisions when we can the next day. He said, that's something that, and, and sometimes if somebody's trying to force you to make a decision, it's a good time to walk away. You ever felt pressured by a salesman? It's one of those things that you need to do this now, and, and, and it's one they keep on and on and on. It's like, hey, I'm not ready to make this decision now, but they keep on and on and on. It's a good time to walk on out. Why? Because those decisions are something, when you feel that pressure, I think can be a struggle. Uh, look, look what the proverb writer says about this. He says, uh, it's a trap for a man to dedicate something rashly and only later to consider his vows, Proverbs 20, 25. To decide and say, yeah, I'll do that, and then later go, what did I agree to do again? See, making a decision and and, and realize that there's something about that and trying to make that at a time 
And then once you make that, be, be okay with it and go on. I think that's a struggle. See, I, I, I think that that's something for us because choices really determine, again, the quality of our life. Everyone makes choices, but not everyone chooses to allow God to guide their choices. The choice to do so will influence all your further future choices. When we decide God is going to be at the center of our decision-making, it changes a lot of things for us, but I think in some ways it makes our life much more simple. I think about this when it comes to church attendance. As a kid, there was never indecision in our house on what we were doing on Sundays and Wednesdays. It was just there. That decision was made. My dad made that for our family. That's what we did. It, it helped. He said, this is what God wants. We're going to make this. It, it, it helps when, when it comes down to so many things on how we're going to live and how we're going to treat people. If we realize if we're going to walk with God, he's going to be the basis of our decisions. And what we've been called to do is to trust and obey him. See, obeying him is, is because we trust him. And, and he said, if we do what? If you love me, you will, you will keep my commandments. And, and I think knowing that, realizing that he's saying, if you love me, but we realize the one who give, gave us the commandments loves us. And he wants the best for us. And he wants us to follow him. And I think it's huge. And, and John 14, 21, he says, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he is the one who loves me. And he who loves me, will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself in him. The quality of our life will be determined by the wisdom or foolishness of our decisions. And the wisdom or foolishness of our decisions will be determined by following God's direction in our life. And, and I think that's who we have to be. And we have to make a decision, will we let him lead us? Will we let him be the leader for us and follow that, even when it's tough, even when it doesn't make sense? But I believe as we do that, our life in some ways, even though it'll be challenging, there may be persecution, there may be things, but if we wake up every day and we, we know which way is north, we have got to take compass, we know which direction we're headed, the simplicity comes out of knowing who we're always following. Tonight, can we help you? Tonight, can we help you to follow God and to walk with him closely? Can we help you on that? Tonight, there are some of you that you need to follow him into the baptistry and you need to be baptized for mission of your sins. There are some tonight that, that it'd be great if, if, you, if you needed to, if you asked for prayers and allow us to, to, to comfort you and encourage you. But I know this, our life will drastically change for the good when we decide everything in our life and every decision we make will be based on God and that we admit our, our, our need for wisdom and his help. We believe he wants to help us. We check out God's word, and then we just make a decision, and we walk with him. Tonight, can we do that? If we can help you with this, would you come now while we stand and while we sing? We walk with us.